0: Good afternoon, welcome to NUSC Matters. It is The Professionals and it's officially not coming home. Um, <laughs> Stewie look a bit miserable about that situation, being the New I'm England saying fan. nothing on that one. <laughs> Mitch, where did it all go wrong, mate? Where did it all go wrong?
1: Southgate wasn't brave enough for me. Um I think it was quite clear that Kane was dropping deeper Get more of the ball, and that's what he does at Spurs. And when he does Spurs, he's got Son alongside him to play the ball. To. And I think on 20 minutes, hello. Oh no, man! Oh, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> Lambriani, sick. It's not good. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure it doesn't feel too good. Um, So. I think what he should have done was just basically rolled the dice and chucked Wilson on to put pressure on the back line of France, allow Kane to drop deep and do what he does at Spurs um, and throw a bit of caution to the wind. I I would have been quite happy to have lost 3-1, but give it a better go. And then that second penalty miss, that happened. The, The pressure must have been immense. Um, but frustrating and I think we had a frustrating time with the referee as well I don't think he was always very helpful I still don't understand how the foul that led to one of the penalties was only a yellow card not a red card Um, I still don't quite understand that Um, but you can look at all of these things at the end of the day I think the better team did win
0: Stu Um, as an independent um viewer of the game uh, the referee had an nightmare
2: he did I think there's only one word that summarises the, the game and it's could have should have would have uh, could have wouldn't they should have wouldn't and I honestly believe they were, they were the better team um, and it all hinges on that penalty and as Mr Dave he's he's brave enough to take it you know but he wants it and that's his responsibility to take it even Robert.
0: Hello, Stuart. <laughs>
2: uh, he's, he's brave enough to, to take the penalty, but not just the pressure, it's to get the semi-final of a World Cup. You've also got the fact he's playing against his own keeper. He's shooting against his own keeper for his club. And there's a lot of psychology going into there. then he's put one in the, his left, the keeper's right, the first one. And then it's like, OK, do I do the same again? And it becomes a guessing game. Uh, do I go down the middle? I think that was his intention to go down the middle, but he had his run-up all wrong. And it was quite clear he wasn't gonna hit it for one of the corners the way he was standing. But to me had that had he scored, it's the momentum was with England. And I honestly believe that would well that would have been two, two, and as I had predicted that I think England would have won it in extra time. There was only one team look like winning it from that point. But it's very easy to lambast Harry Kane, but he's brave enough to take it and he'll score many more goals anyway. So the, and, and I actually thought that was his best game for England in, the, in, this, in this tournament. But the, you've got to look at the positives, and what a player you've got in Bellingham. He's outstanding. To me, I don't think there's been a better midfield player in the whole tournament. And if he keeps his head on right, he's only, only going to get better. That's the sort of player with people like him and, Ford and uh, if you're talking about having a brave enough manager, this is where you should be building the team round uh, and and get them going forward because the, the the talent is there and it's it's hard to people say the Southgate out and stuff like that. It's it's the same thing every single tournament. though. people say they're not bothered about it and then the tournament starts and everyone and the World Cup or Euro fever takes over and it's coming home and and then England play a decent team and then it's not coming home anymore. Uh, and that's not said with any malice or, or trying to uh, mock the situation because as you know Scotland aren't there, weren't there. So it was. It's it's just from the outside looking in, and that's what happens. And then there's a huge overreaction because people's expectations are are, are risen to a level that is unreal. Uh, judging on the other teams now, bear in mind. Look at the teams that have went out. You know the favourites Brazil are out. And um, Germany did fall. Spain fell. And that takes us to the teams that are left in. And people keep calling this Moroccan team the underdogs, but they beat Belgium, they drew with Croatia in the, the group stages. So they, they went through the, the top of their group. They've knocked out Spain. They've knocked out Portugal. And you can't say they've been lucky in the draw to get where they are. And they're in the semi-final on merit. And they will be the best supported team on the planet come the semi-final. You know, you've got, what, two billion Muslims to be cheering on. There's 1.2 billion people in Africa, I think. So they, I, th- I think they've they've massively overachieved, and what might happen with Morocco <clears throat> is possibly the injuries will take its toll, and the discipline that they've had. But then the other teams, you've got Croatia to steal a phrase from Mitch. Could they actually share? hamster am still winning it, because that's what they seem to have done all the tournament, haven't they? They've done just enough, and they haven't really played positively. And then you've got France, who quite clearly are the best team in the competition. But for me, I, I think Argentina, it's written now for Messi to become an immortal, to join the Pelis and the Maradona's and actually say, I've won the big one. And he's it moves him up an echelon from being linked with the, the Cruyff's, Platini's and, and Ronaldo's and Zico's. He's actually won it if, if they go on uh, to win it next weekend. So Argentina's is the team I think the that uh, will win it. But France are the best team, but you can't write up any of the four. And I think it's been a fantastic tournament for football.
0: Mitch Southgate's uh you know done very well. He's you know, he's managed to to beat Sir Ralph Ramsey's tournament record now uh, more you know a, a better performance than Alf Ramsey the only thing he hasn't done is lift a cup but you know he's he's got to the semi-finals he's got to the final and he's got to the quarter-finals in his last three major tournaments um he's got a contract until the end of the next euros do you think he'll see it through you, i know his interview last night he basically said you know from his point of view he'll sit down he'll reflect um and he'll make sure that the right decision is made for everybody but what was you know what what's your feeling does southgate deserve that crack at the euros before he steps aside
1: I don't see the FA being radical enough or driven enough to go out of their way to make a change because they can turn around and quote what you've just quoted and say, this is the man that's making progress. Um, but I do have serious um, concerns about his tactical decisions, um, how brave he is to make um Substitutions that mean real impact. Um, I I still don't get bringing Grealish on with two minutes to go. That's just to me a nonsense. Um, Talk about the desperate last throw of the dice, you know. But um, I can't see the FA being radical enough to make any drastic change overnight. I just just don't see it.
0: Harry Kane as well, Mitch. I mean, you know, he, he stepped up twice for penalties. One was the perfect penalty. Um, the second one, well, in the words of the commentator back home, uh, we wanted Gary Lineker, we got Chris Waddle. Um, I think that was a bit harsh on uh, on Harry Kane to be fair, because it takes it takes you know it takes a, a certain mentality to be able to step up and do that. He did have the added pressure, other than. Being England captain, um, you know, 26 million eyes on him um, and, you know, he's, he's you know, his he's country's position in the World Cup dependent on him scoring. He also had the added bonus, uh, the added nightmare of him facing the goalkeeper that he probably takes penalties against, you know, week in, week out in training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, <coughs> one thing that comes out with this tournament is how bad some of the penalties have been. Uh, we've seen some awful penalties and some of the penalty shootouts and in a few of the games. Um, quite what I think Kane probably outthought himself. He seemed to hesitate in the run-up. He seemed to like... I wonder if he changed his mind about where he wanted to put it. Um, but at the, at the same time, it's a high-pressure situation. And mistakes are going to be made no matter who you are. Um... I I think fair play for having the balls to take the penalty I guess but at the same time um, you expect better from somebody like Harry Kane than to do what he did with the second penalty Um, but I think it's all like I say I think it's all part of something that's been endemic throughout this tournament there's been poor penalties and penalties of dubious quality Um and so you know it, it is what it is. At the end of the day, we're a little bit unlucky, um, but I think the result was a fair result.
0: I mean, that the hurricane situation, Stu, is you know it's a difficult one for him. Um, as I say, facing his goalkeeper that he, he faces every week. But you know, it, when you're the captain of England and you're in that position, you know it's it's what's expected from me, isn't it?
2: That's it. Man. I think if, there were, if you were able to do a stroke before the penalty was taken, and you asked every England fan who he'd want to take it, I think you'd get 98, 99% of people saying Kane anyway. So he was he was the right one for the job and there was no way... Hindsight's a wonderful thing. You know, you could say, I'm taking one, let's pass it to someone else, but there was no way he was going to give that up. And he does miss penalties, you know, but not as often. Like Messi's got a terrible penalty record, but if Argentina get one, you know, for a fact he's taking it, and you've got to understand when it comes to taking penalties with uh, Kane, he's no Shola, is he? You know, he's, he's going to miss some of them. So Shola's Nigerian, so he, he couldn't uh, help them out last night. But the, it's, that's the fine lines of football. And as I said, had he, had he scored it, I I, 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 you have to look back and think he nearly didn't even have the chance to take it because it was an atrocious decision. No, it was a blatant shove. The the guy didn't even look at it. Uh, was it was it Saka? He shoved. He mm-hmm. yeah, didn't yeah. even look at him. He just bundled him over, ran into him. Bundled, didn't even look at the ball. Sorry, looked at they ran and bundled him over. And how that wasn't even given initially. So, for those who complained about VAR, you wouldn't have had the chance to get the penalty had it not been for VAR. Uh, but the, the with 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 he. You can't keep praising people for failing at the same time, but yes, you can praise his ball, but he's he's missed it. And that's the hero zero scenario, but he's probably going to pizza advert out with it now, won't he?
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of criticism for Southgate in the chat Southgate's in-game management is dreadful His substitutions are always horrendous Says Mark Byers uh, Get Simeone in, he adds uh, We need his shithousery in-game management For big-game tournaments He also adds that England don't have the right mentality We constantly praise losers, which is what Stu just said yeah. Until that changes, we won't win a thing That squad should have won the last three majors and it would have with better management. What did you think of Mbappé, Mitch? Uh, Stephen Kennedy mentions he he thought Mbappé was out of order, laughing when Kane missed the penalty. He felt it was very unprofessional. I mean, the cameras did turn on Mbappé. I'm presuming that's what he was laughing at. Um, It didn't didn't put him in a good light, I've got to be perfectly honest.
1: No, and there's been two or three incidents like this through the tournament as well. If you look at the Argentinians against the, the Dutch having it large in their faces when they went through on penalties. Um, Again, it's become a little bit of a running theme through the tournament that sometimes a bit of decorum hasn't been applied. Um, It's it's possibly a symptom of the modern game um, and the way people are generally uh, and how they react in certain situations. I I think we've forgot sometimes how to behave in the post-COVID world. Um, and so a lot more people seem free to do what the hell they want um, just because they feel they can um, but at the end of the day if it was the other way around if it was the other way around would see people um, probably doing the same back and it's best not to make a mountain out of a molehill and just move on
0: yeah, uh, Jodie Toombalife uh, says, The team played well enough in patches, especially the start. It was so slow. The subs and timing of the subs confused me. He just hasn't learned his lesson and the ref was a disgrace. Mazado though, uh, points out, Uh, something which hasn't gone unnoticed amongst the Newcastle fraternity on social media that at least our lads are coming home unscathed which uh, is a positive Bruno's back in tune already with little Matteo in his arms last night on uh, Instagram which is great Uh, Trippier, Wilson and Pope were all on the bus this morning and um, yeah I mean that bodes well I guess Mitch for our forthcoming uh, cup game uh, against Bournemouth
1: Get everybody back unscathed is um is a is a nice reassuring thing this still have happened um, we've picked up no additional injury worries Eddie um, <laughs> help and work with everybody who wants to get back and so ahead of the the carabao cuff game he's gonna have his strongest squad available no doubt about that um, so yeah that, that that's the the, the, the silver lining in those clouds is that all of our players are coming home okay.
0: Yep, uh, Paul Gallant, we don't need that kind of uh, thing in the chat, mate. He says, Hi, Moza, I've got 55 inches. Thanks, Paul, for that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you're, you're talking about televisions, mate. I see what I, I've got the wrong end of the stick there, mate. Um, yeah, the players are all coming back fitting well, Stu. Yeah,
2: and I, I would imagine they'd be chopping up the bits to get the Newcastle shirt back on their backs as well. And they didn't get many minutes, which is a blessing for Newcastle. And what they've got now to do is acclimatise. They'll get a few days off, I'm sure. And then they'll start trailing, I, I would imagine, midweek uh, and build themselves up for the League cup game but, and also for the Leicester game and Boxing Day. So it's it's come at the right time from a selfish perspective, uh, supporting Newcastle. That They all got knocked out at the same time, just about. And uh, they're not going into the next week, you know, because Haddingman won last night, you've got three players. And whether they played or not, uh, they're still in there with the intensity of it all. And, uh, you know, the mental games that it, it is, that goes with it, the weight of the nation on their shoulders, etc. Uh, and even if they were to get the semi-final and lose the semi-final, you've got the, the third and fourth place playoff that no one likes playing. So that would have definitely ruled about for possibly, well, definitely the League Cup game, but also possibly Leicester. Now, I think everyone will be fit and available for it and get them integrated back into the squad, get them used to the, the cold weather because they've been used to mid 20s at the moment, they? So it's 20 odd degree drop in temperature. Get used to that and we're off and running again and can't wait for it.
0: Yeah, friendly coming up, of course, at the weekend. So, uh, you know, not long to wait before the lads pulling on the uh, the black and white shirt again. Mitch, we've got the semi finals now then. Who do you see as the team that's going to win the World Cup this year? For me, it's France. Same. Um,
1: Morocco have done superbly, but they've lost a number of key players that I doubt some of them will be fit for the, 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 the semi-final. I think it's a big ask for Morocco to, to, to take France on and progress. Um, and then in the other semi-final, yeah, I guess you're, you're probably looking at Argentina really... Um But then when you get to the final, I think France have probably got just that little bit too much in terms of organisation and key players and key positions um going forward to a final.
0: Same question to you, Stu. Who's going to win it? Have Morocco got a chance or is it going to be Argentina or is it going to be... France. I mean, Messi. Messi will be thinking it's going to be him, of course. You know, and you know, a lot of people's money will be going on them. But for me, I think France. You've got it. Can't, I can't see past France. Croatia, of course, can spoil people's parties. England know that only too well. Uh, but I'm not so sure this time.
2: Yeah, I give a brief summary of the opening gambit. Sorry, I shot me ball a bit early. Don't see it up for the first time. Keep it clean on a Sunday afternoon. It's not, uh, not with 55
0: well, inches like Paul, though
2: No, fair play, to him, fair play. To him. Um, France I would imagine our favourites but I, I think it's Argentina's uh, but you can make a viable case for every one of the four and you've got to be in it and win it and those four teams are in it and as as I mentioned there you could see Morocco look at the teams that beat together where they are you can't you know, just dismiss them and and France could go in there overconfident and believe that the, the final is already theirs to play in and Morocco could shake them up a bit you know so it's I think Argentina, Croatia, uh, for those of a betting persuasion, I'm sure there'll be a few yellow cards in that game. Uh, but it's, to me, if, even if you watched, I'm sure most people did watch the Argentina quarterfinal against Solid, Messi just walked around the pitch, but when he got the ball, he creates magic still. You know, and That pass is one probably one of the best passes I've seen on a football pitch. He didn't even look. You know, He, he, he knew exactly where the player was, and I would say like, if we're talking inches, just a few inches either way, uh, kicking that ball and it wouldn't have got to where it went. If the gap was that narrow, he, he made it. He made it look simple, and you seen his elation when uh, the finish was there. He knew he'd, he'd done a good pass, and it's not often Messi gets excited like that. You know, he knew that he he'd done something absolutely extraordinary, and even when you think you can't get more from him, he does that. So I can I can see them getting to the final and. I would, I would like Argentina to win it, uh, not just because McAllister's playing for them, etc., but uh, for Messi, because uh, Messi really does deserve for everything he's done. In his career, he does deserve to have that World Cup, and he he won't have that stigma attached to him. But you never win the big one. If he wins it, then no one can say that, wrong. So.
0: A couple of stories, isn't there? Really, I mean, obviously Morocco, first African team to get to the semis of the World Cup. Croatia in Modric. This is going to be is that's going to be his last World Cup, isn't it? Yeah. Messi, probably his last World Cup at, um, with Argentina. And France, you've got Deschamps, who, if anybody hasn't watched the BBC documentary, which is available on iPlay, I would urge you to watch it, How to Win the World Cup. Um, God, you forget, that guy is a bit of a talisman with the World Cup. Um, you know, he could go down in history. Really. He's already in history as a man who's won it as a captain of the team and won it as a manager. God, could he go and do it again? It's, it's some fascinating twists and turns. It's what the World Cup brings you. Yes. Um, I'm sure we'll all enjoy it, despite England dipping out. And uh, you know, we can we can continue to watch the uh, the exciting semi-finals over the course of the next week. Neil Skinnis says, on a plus side, the club mentality within England seems incredibly strong and close. I was impressed with Pickford and Trippier yeah, telling the cameraman to do one. When chasing Kane at the end. I noticed that. Yeah, it was very, very good. And David Vetch says, England need a new top-class manager who has no favourites and is prepared to tell the FA to stop interfering. Howe is a very poor manager. Well done, David. I see what you did there. Um, and Jordie Toonby Life says, Stu tipping Argentina, champion. That'll do for me. That's them out.
2: <laughs> uh, who Google a 3-0 rate. As well, percent away as, from Tuesdays. As,
0: the poor Belgians found out of the cost. Uh, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask one more question on the World Cup, Mitch, for today anyway. Um, and that is very simple. Alan Little says, I never want to hear it's coming home again until it does. Is it time to ban that bloody song?
1: Oh, difficult because people do it no matter what. I mean, how do you, you ban a song? the deal stop? and Skinner
0: keep bringing it out they, they, they did a rehash of it again with Christmas hats on
1: oh sweet Jesus uh yeah i mean it it's frustrating when you get something like that it is irritating, but it's catchy and people use it, and the press use it so it, it, how do you ban it? It's difficult to do
0: yeah, it's crazy uh and and have you got an equivalent with Scotland Stu?
2: Oh, it's been too long, Steve. Be on LP or vinyl or something to, to get an old Scotland welcome song And Roger Stewart, like Stewart would have
0: been involved, I bet. No, no, he's, he's
2: English. The, the, <laughs> there was a 1982 one. Uh, we had a dream. I like that one. Uh, because the one before that in 78 was about the Tartan Army and that Ali McLeod was going to bring it home and that fell flat on its face. And that was another team that really, really underachieved. underachieved. So if Scotland World Cup songs. Give yeah we had a, we have a dream. Give it a listen when you have some spare time. It's quite catchy, quite corny what World Cup songs should be about. And but this is what I keep talking about. It's coming home, it's coming home, and then it doesn't, and the the overreaction is, is it's too much. You know, it's it's you have teams like France you just mentioned there, the managers won it as a captain and a manager. They don't have to win it. And had Southgate gambled, as people are wise after the event saying you should have gambled, he could have done it earlier, made substitutions earlier. But that would have made the most susceptible at the back. Uh, Griezmann had a decent game, but you would say Mbappé was relatively quiet by his standards. So you, you start taking that. If, if England went gung-ho too early, then it exposes them at the back. And then it could have been three or four. Then Southgate would have been blamed for that as well. So if you remember just a few months back they got beat four nil at home of Hungary he shouldn't be in the team and then you know it's it's there's there's no sensible there's always an outcry or, or too much praise. You know, the he's beats well, even after the America game where when the draw that, that was it, So, came out, know, then they beat a very poor Wales team and then they dismissed their, who was the African team they beat in the last sixteen. Senegal. Mm-hmm. Senegal. The team that they should be beaten. To be fair, but they, they played really well and, and did get rid of them. And that was a three-nil that I predicted in England's best performance of the tournament. For those who have criticised my Belgian predictions, they, they we had. Then it's like, oh, it's definitely coming home, and that's it. But if you look at the history of the of England over the last what, 20, 30 years, as soon as they get a really big game, whether it's psychological or not, because I genuinely believe they have a squad that's capable of winning the World Cup. But it's, it's whether they, they believe they can win it. And France have got that. So although I'm tipping Argentina, France know the majority of the squad that are there now won it four years ago. But again, it might be over with the French I could be there undoing or messy in the final.
0: Yeah, OK. Well, as, uh, as we've said already, uh, the players are coming back unscathed. And also coming back uh, from the World Cup in due course is a little bit of money, Mitch. Uh, With the Chronicle, uh, Charlie Bennett, of course, has been on the show on on numerous occasions. He he writes in the Chronicle of the Day that Newcastle are probably the last club on earth uh, in need of emergency funds uh, following the takeover. However, uh, Newcastle United are set to receive a slight windfall in the new year on the back of the World Cup. And this is essentially because FIFA have announced the clubs who release players for the tournament will be compensated. So as part of its commitment to recognise the contribution the football clubs make to the successful staging of the FIFA World Cup, FIFA have started the application progress uh, progress for its club benefit programme that will see $209 million, which is £171.4 million, distributed to clubs across the world. This initiative already saw 416 clubs from 63 member associations benefiting from the same amount following the 2018 FIFA World Cup. So basically, clubs will be able to apply digitally through FIFA, uh, the professional football landscape platform, uh, with approximately £8,202 to be received for each of each one of the days the relevant player remains with his national team during the FIFA World Cup. So, Newcastle uh, will be granted compensation for six players who travel to the World Cup, Fabian Schär, Callum Wilson, Kieran Trippier, Nick Pope and Bruno. Uh, because they represented that club, uh, their country, um, at the World Cup. Uh, because the latter three recently arrived on Tyneside, their funding will be split between Atletico Madrid, Burnley, and Lyon, respectively. And the Magpies should also receive cash for United States star DeAndre Yedlin, who left the club in 2021. Uh, youngster Garan Kual, who has uh, starred for Australia and Qatar is not included because he hasn't signed official terms and won't do until the new year, which rules him out of the list. But uh, any money's good money, isn't it, uh, Mitch? All, all comes in and it
1: all balances the books, doesn't it? In the in, in a, in a modern world of FFP, every little helps, as a certain phrase goes. Um, I think it's fascinating how these things trot out from FIFA and um and how these things work and that like like you just said, we're getting money for DeAndre Yedlin. who's not been at the club for two years, three years. But yet suddenly we're getting, you know, this, that, the other. Um it's it's it, it, it seems to be an odd amount of money. <laughs> um, you know, is is that really reflective of the commitment the players have made to the national squads? Dunno. Um, and, and the other thing that sort of puzzles us is, is, is where do they get these figures from? Where, where do you pluck these numbers out of the air? Um, there'll be a formula of some sort, there's no doubt about that. Um, but like many things attached to FIFA, it'll have an air of mystery and mystique to it.
0: Yeah, more money coming in than Stu, uh, but not from the Saudis' uh, bank balance this time from FIFA.
2: Yeah, that's not new news to be fair. But I think it was meant to be ten thousand dollars, so it's going to be about 8000 8, pounds a day. Um, but I could see our owners, who aren't short of a of, uh, using it, especially at this time of year, in making a charitable donation with it. Um that—that's what I think they would do. If you, if you add it up, it's—it's it's, they might get around about a hundred grand or something like that. Which is, in the grand scheme of things, is very little to them, but it could make a massive difference to many people on a donation. So uh, I would like to see them do something like that. But I, I'm still old school when I think playing for your country, you should you shouldn't expect to get paid for it. Uh, but I know the clubs are getting it's the clubs that are being compensated, but they should to me they should only really be compensated if someone goes back injured, and none of all that have
0: no. Uh, well that's it, good stuff from our perspective uh, Money coming in um, We'll see what uh, the club decide to do With it in due course Okay, halfway through the programme, time for the ads hey,
2: well, big thanks to
0: all our sponsors First off, Skips and Bins Telephone 0800 25, 25 3 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com Website skipsandbins.com Easy contract free And pay-as-you-go waste collection Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary CBD Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists you can find them at thegohd.com. And thanks to Mr. Vicky's sources. They are handmade in Cumbria, and you can find more information out on their website, mrvickys.co.uk. And if you want to order any, email info at mrvickys.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Big thanks to Blowhole Brewery, a new beer uh, made on Tyneside. The cans are all... Designed in the colours of Newcastle United, strips from days gone by. Black and white there, the purple and blue, and the good old-fashioned blue from the entertainer's days. I will get more information on the Blowhole Brewery range, such as Geordie Juice from blowholebrewery.co.uk. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things and video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle. And the guys who do our website nufcmatters.com If you want to subscribe to the show then all you need to do is click the subscribe button below. You can also hit the thumb up which does us a favour by liking the video and click share to share to your social media such as Twitter and Facebook. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify and the rest and if you want to contribute to the show, use the QR code it takes you straight to the membership pack and you can join the channel What Do You Get? For your membership pack, you get a scarf, a cup, a pen and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. You can also make a donation by hitting the dollar sign in the chat tonight. We also give you something for free if you subscribe to the show. To get your car sticker, email john at nufcmatters.com and he will post you one out. We also support the Food Bank on this show and if you want to make a virtual donation to the Food Bank, then go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk Make a donation today On our website we've got lots of T-shirts, cups, pens, you name it Memorabilia if you want to buy it and support The show. For Christmas We have the Bruno Christmas Jumper Which is selling rather well And we'll have the Bobble Hats Play Like Almiron, Bruno's Magic And Bruno's 39 And Joe Linton's J7 Get yourself to nufcmatters.com To buy them today If you want to buy people a ticket For one of our events next year We've got an Evening with Steve Howie, which is Friday the 24th of February at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are £50 from nufcmatters.com or newcastlelegends.com. And you can also buy them on voucher before Christmas. Get somebody a bargain and a nice Christmas present. Peter Beardsley is on on the 10th of February at St Dom's Catholic Club in Newcastle. Tickets available direct from the venue. And for this one, Friday the 2nd of June, Next year at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth, 6.30 start an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford. To book tickets, contact Natalie at heelandtour.org.uk or visit their website heelandtour.org.uk forward slash events. If you're looking for a Christmas present and people like a book, then get yourself NME from the Bender Squad to the Gremlins or... The last remaining copies are black or white, no grey areas. Lee Clark's autobiography. And you can get them from www.badboysbooks.net. Don't forget, Bad Manners are at the Fed tonight. Doors open 6.30. You can buy tickets on the door. Here's Buster. Hi, Stephen and me, This is Buster from Bad Manners. We're going to be engaged this Sunday at the Fed, 6.30 p.m doors open, we'd love you
2: to be there to party with us because
0: it's nearly Christmas always a good night, the bad manners do Uh, absolutely fantastic, get yourself along a couple of support bands on as well should be a really good night, Stu's just getting his phone uh, sorted Uh, you're back with us now Stu, that's it, all good good stuff mate Good stuff. Um, yeah, let's just talk a little bit about um, a, a little bit about Isaac, Mitch, uh, should we be <laughs> concerned about Isaac? I mean, he's you know he, he not featured across in Saudi Arabia. Are, are we just being a little bit cautious with him?
1: I think we're being cautious. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's had a thigh strain. There is as no, notorious as hamstrings for relapse and for re-injury. Um, you've got to be right because they're they're impact muscles, that muscles that, you know, deliver a lot of power in one go. Um, And he's had what I suspect was a misdiagnosed thigh strain. He he, he, thought it was a grade one when he's actually had a grade two. And then as they brought him back into training, he's he's done the muscle again. Um, And so they're right to be careful this time round, because, again, I think I've said it before, I'd rather him miss the next three games and be fully fit for the rest of the season than to have an entire rest of the season with him on off with thigh strains and recovering and relapse and recovering and relapse. I think think that he mentioned him out in Riyadh, uh, that he was back on grass, which is a big thing. Um, And I think...
0: You know, I I think they're right to be cautious. Yeah, right to be cautious, Stew. I mean, uh, we we'll, we'll want to see him play, but um, its point is rushing him if he's not not a hundred percent fit.
2: I believe we're in a position where we don't need to rush him back in, and that's that's good for us, isn't it? I mean, if you see the way the team have performed uh, without him, it's he'll want to be make sure he's hundred percent fit as well. Otherwise, he he won't get in the team. And if he does, he won't stay in it long. And that's for anyone who's not in that starting eleven at the moment. So it's not just for him, it's for the rest of the squad and anyone new coming into the, the team in January or into the squad in January. The benchmark's been raised and raised and raised as the seasons went on. So now when you could say they're overachieving, where if you keep doing it, then that becomes the norm. So the bar has been raised to a level that you you start thinking, right. Isaac, I think he's going to have a huge part to play come the end of the season. He's he's too good not to have an impact, a positive impact for us. But I've, I've, I was what I was more concerned because I know exactly where Mitch is, and the fact that he's wearing Rob's ring on his finger. I don't know if there's an announcement you want to make or something. No, just,
1: he's left all his rings on the table. And I'm just having to play with them. Okay, if you want to play with his ring? That's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, after.
0: <are>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, talking, talking about players that have impressed in the World Cup. Um, again, the Chronicles, um, you know, run an article today about potential signings uh, in the January transfer window, and it won't be long before it's open. Cody Gakpo is on there, um, of course. Um, you know, he's he's, he's had a, a fruitful tournament, as uh, the Chronicle describe it. Other names he's chucked in: the hat, Mitch, Josko uh, <laughs> Gavardiol um who is obviously you know still involved in the world cup with uh, croatia and enzo fernandez um a combative midfielder which we've often said on this show Newcastle really needs somebody who can can be that little bit of a nasty you know, a nasty player in that middle and you know just you know break play up etc so those are three names chucked at us by the chronicle um what do you think about those three names and is there anybody else in that world cup who you might add
1: there was always going to be people come to prominence during the World Cup that potentially could then come on our radar. And I think we've talked about this before, probably at some length somewhere along the line. Um, you can see merit in all three names. You can see merit in how they would fit in with our squad. Um, as ever, if they've identified someone they want in, and the deal can be done at the right price, that's what's going to happen. And if a deal can't be done at the right price, they'll move on. Um, I, I find it interesting the talk recently about one in, one out. Maybe it's yes, then maybe it's that's what's got to happen. Um, but I think it would be um, surprising to me if we didn't strengthen in some way during January because we've got a fantastic opportunity to press on.
0: What about you, Stu? Uh, those three names at the Chronicle have chucked at us. I mean, we've heard Gakpo link with Newcastle, albeit tentatively. Um, do the names, you know, are, are they on Eddie Howe's shopping list, do you think?
2: Oh, they're all good players. and It's nice to be linked with good players. The, the th- thing I... Again, it's, it's just my opinion. I believe this board that we have uh, are on that would have had players earmarked already and then they'll know exactly who they, who they wanted and whether someone's had a good tournament that wasn't on their list before I don't think that would put them on the list because it's, it's not just it's a knee-jerk reaction isn't it and I, and I don't think this board would make signings such as that now uh, and long we continue you know the, the study players for a, a number of months, and think, all right, this is the type of player we want. And then if they see someone has two or three good games at a World Cup, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a type of signing that Man United do with trying to appease the fans. And it's your castle on that way, on, on built that way at the moment. Uh, so I think if someone was on their list that's excelled, they'll probably be more annoyed because it'll cost them more money to get them. Uh, so this is where we revert back to Mr. James Madison, and he didn't play any minutes at all. And uh, so his price should remain the same. You don't play extra, you don't pay over the top because he was in a World Cup squad and he didn't have a chance to show how good he was. So the the one in one out has to be. You've got to score at 25. So if you're bringing one in, one has to go out. You know, you're not going to bring one in and chuck three out and leave it at 20, uh, 23 people, are you? So the, the, it could go the other way, though. We could bring extra in and they could push more out. They did that this time last year. Remember, there was. Kieran Clark and a couple of others that were emitted from the squad when they brought the new players in, and they've shown the ruthlessness and that. And I think we we all know is is a nice, an unassuming guy. Anyhow, is he's got a cold, hard streak to him, and he will make the right decisions for the benefit of the football club because the better Newcastle does, the better he does. or so the better he does, the better Newcastle does. And I think he'll make decisions with the respect to the players. And from what you've learned, what we've all learned is you'll make sure that the player is looked after and you'll have a club lined up for them, uh, uh, whether it's on loan till the end of the season or to, or to sell if any player is going to be omitted from his squad. So I, I don't think there's been anyone that's come to the World Cup and they've just went, wow, we need to sign him without doing any due diligence prior to that. And if if there is, I'd be, I I'd I mean, personally, I'd, I'd just be shocked if someone's had a good three or four games in Newcastle go and sign them on the strength of that maybe monitor them, put them on the list and go for them again in the summer if they're, if they're still progressing at, at the rate that they're showing. But there shouldn't be any surprises in the World Cup now. There's too much television, isn't it? It's not like the back in the day where you already only seen your own games that you went to in the odd match of the day. Now you can just watch virtually just about watch every every league in the world if you were that way inclined. So I, I don't think there'd be that much of a shock. Saying we're going to go and buy that one because he, he played well for Morocco, for example, or that Japanese guy had a great tournament. Do you know, if they weren't on the list already, then they'll get added to it. But I can't see them sign on the strength of it.
0: Noel Whelan, Mitch has come out today and uh, spoke, uh, you know, spoke up about Chris Wood, saying that Everton should sign him because um, he's, he's he's a step up from uh, from Rondon. I mean, seems to be a lot of noise about Chris Wood potentially leaving the club, but I've said this before on the show. I, I can't see Eddie how letting him go.
1: No, I think he has a very well-defined role. I think Eddie Howe uses him in certain situations um, and he's also very well-liked in the dressing room. He's very well-liked around St. James's Park. And so we, we've seen first this, this past week when we've been in about how the personalities of the players shine out when you give them time to talk to the fans and interact with everybody. And I've heard anybody have a bad word to say about Chris Wood and so they're the people that Eddie Howe wants in and around the squad so I, I would be surprised to see him moved on
0: Yeah Chris Wood's going nowhere for me what about you Stu?
1: I don't want him to go anywhere
2: either I, I, I'd still say it and I know you've said it all along as well Steve that without Chris Wood last season we would have got relegated I think he was pivotal in, in our climb up the table And because he's not scoring four goals a game or whatever, then it's, you know, some people watch football and think it's on the computer. You know, you've got to look at the role he does, as Mitch has just alluded to there, behind the scenes and the training ground, gelling the team, the the squad together. But again, you have to take into consideration that there's no sentiment. And if Newcastle can't attract someone that anyhow deems to be better than Chris Wood for the squad, then they'll get that person. So will uh, Will Chris Wood be with us in this time next year? I'd be surprised, but will he go in January? I'd also be surprised if he goes in January. I think there's other players, other areas that need to target uh, players that need to replace in within that 25 squad before Chris Wood gets looked at.
0: The other player who uh, you know I want to talk about today, Mitch, is Jamal Lasells. Eddie Howe in his press conference out in Saudi, um, in in the warm weather uh, trip, the the second pre season, if you like. Um, again, big dub Jamal Lasells called him an ultimate professional. Um, the Cels has only started one game in the Premier League this season, but he has been vital in the League Cup. And, of course, he will lead out Newcastle at home to Bournemouth um, when we uh, take them on in the next round of the Carabao Cup. Uh, also, had a run out. You guys seen him at first hand um, in the 5-0 win, uh, win over Al-Halal um, in in Saudi. So, you know, he, he said that the captaincy will remain with him and that he's, he's vital in that dressing room. Um, he's clearly still making a big impression, although he's not on the pitch, Mitch.
1: Yeah, when he spoke to the fans in the he spoke really well. And I was lucky enough to get four or five minutes with him at the end of the event. Um, the lad's a leader. <laughs> so if you think what he did leading Newcastle back to the Premiership after that relegation as a younger man, um, he's got leadership attributes about him. And we talk about having leaders all over the pitch. Um, and he also seems to be sensible enough to understand he's not gonna be able to play every game with the, the quality of centre backs around him. Um and yet he's respected by the rest of the squad as the club captain. You know, to say Trippier yeah, putting the armband on him when he comes on as a sub is yeah. is fantastic. That that has Everything about our dressing room, the positive things that's going on in the dressing room,
0: and that anyhow
1: wants characters and personalities in the right mix there. And Lascelles is part of that, he remains part of that as our club captain.
0: Yeah, yeah, you met him up, you met up with him as well, heard what he had to say. Stu, were you as impressed as Mitch?
2: Yeah, definitely, he's a leader, and you know, I think sometimes more often than not, he gets very unjust criticism. And, and I'd like to say this calendar year, I can't remember having a bad game for Newcastle when he's been asked to come in and play. And he understands he's not a regular starter now, but he's, to me, he's really important in that squad. And the other players do respect him, do look up to him. And that's not because he's taller than them. You know, they, they respect his leadership and he, he plays the role of club captain really, really well. And he's he is unassuming, but he he has a presence about him, you know. So you, you won't get oh well, you're not playing, you can't tell me what to do. The, the respect is there. You can see that. Not but not just from the players. You can see it from the the members of the board. You can see it from the the the, the, the staff. You know, he is the club captain, irrespective of whether he plays every minute or not. But for me, I, I think he's 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 played really well every time he's had He's been asked to, and that's difficult coming in. From the call, because sometimes you're coming in off the bench, aren't you? And to fit, to fit into a game like that, or just when you get starts, maybe he's one in every six or seven. It's hard, you need momentum. They keep saying that when players come back from injury. But he seems more confident now. He's, it's like the. I think he's he's, a, he's shown that he's an exceptionally good player. When, when the team was struggling, I think he was taking it personally, and that, that was reflected in his performances. But now the team performance is on their eyes. He's, he's playing with a lot more confidence and a lot more freedom. And I wouldn't be uh, upset if, if him and Botman forged a partnership, if, if Shaw was to get injured or suspended. But I wouldn't be concerned at all if he came in.
0: Yeah, I mean me neither. But, you know, it's 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 all about squad. You know, keeping the squad happy as well, isn't it, Mitch? You know, as he as he comes into the second half of the season, because you know we've already mentioned, you know, Chris Wood, Jamal LaSalle's not getting a run out, but we've uh, we've talked on on this show about Ryan Fraser. Uh, Matt Ritchie, Paul Dummett, players who you know being out injured, who are, are now you know uh, you know on the road to recovery. We know we've got you know Emil Kraft who probably won't play this season. Um, you've got Carrius on the bench as, as as a goalkeeper as well, um, who you know it, you know won't probably feature uh, a great deal this season. But you know he, he's got to keep those players happy in the second half of the season as well, hasn't he? Cup runs are going to help that.
1: It's something we've been appalling at over the last few seasons. is squad management of all all forms. Uh, not just getting the right mix of players in and replacing players who are are sort of at the end of their their career, but also um, getting the right combinations of players um, within the squad. Um, And I think when you look at what we're talking about now going into the, the restart of the season... We're potentially fighting on three fronts still. Carabao Cup, FA Cup, League. Um and I think you know, we need to be clever about how we use that squad.
0: We do need to do that, and I think Eddie Howe will be able to do that, Stu. He will be able to maintain that balance. He's uh, he seems to be very good at man management and, and keeping those players keeping those players who aren't playing happy.
2: Yeah, and you have to. And we're very fortunate to have the man anyhow leading, leading us, leading us as a as a manager, and the way he interacts with his squad, but his backroom staff as well. You know, there was a couple of tales from uh, Simon Whitworth in in Riyadh regarding how he's in charge of the fines, and you know, the, some players forget, pretend that they forgot the cash and everything else. And you brought out uh, we call them a POS, the the cash machines that you handle. You uh, you can play on your card, no problem. You know, so the, the, the camaraderies there, and yeah, if you've got a squad like that, the the most important thing is you don't have the egos, which is, yeah. I don't think we have in that squad, and everyone is respectful for everyone else. And yes, there is people who aren't going to get game time unless there's a huge amount of injuries, like the the Richies, Dubbets, how many other left backs we got, Lewis. You know, you, you've got these type of players that are in the squad and still get treated with the same respect as, as the Wilsons, as the Brunos and everything else. But I think they're all not naive enough to understand it's going to be done in cycles. And and as long as our bottom line's improving, because the top's improving, and then we as fans, that's where I keep mentioning the sentiment. We can't get too attached to certain players. And if like are big fan favourite at the moment, and this is just hypothetically speaking, someone like uh, Joel if we went out and signed a, a world-class centre midfielder, which he's becoming, you know, what happens there? You know, you've, you've got you've got him as part of the squad, but if that then becomes not your first 11, then we've got, this, the squad is improving, you know, and this, these are the sort of decisions, thankfully, Eddie Howe has to make, but it'll be done, not Gung Ho, Gung Ho, as I said, it'll be Gung Ho, and he'll do it the way he wants to do it, and it'll be done for the betterment of Newcastle United. And it's one where we can actually sit back, kick the slippers off, get a big fat cigar in my mouth and just enjoy it. And we we, we have to give him ultimate trust because he's deserved it. Um, so, yeah, this, the squad will improve. There will be players that I would say maybe six players that are in that squad now will be there next January. But that means six better players are coming in. So we can't really complain about that, can we?
0: No. Definitely, definitely can't Even LaSalle's passing is improved He has stunned me how much he has improved on the field Says David uh, I get panic attacks when Lascelles is in the team Says PDK Lascelles is good quality uh, For a fourth choice centre half Says Chris David Vetch says, uh, Lascelles has not let us down, uh, so why replace him at the moment? He's another uh, team man Mm -hmm. and leader. Also, David comments on Wood, uh, saying he's a team man and that is so important as we grow. Uh, Keep Wood till the end of the season. That's what I would do. Um, News coming in from the ladies game as well from Jordy Toon. Apparently losing 5-1, but they're playing a side way above them. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, with them, uh, you know, it, ultimately it's going to take a lot of time. There's been years of neglect um, with with the women's team, so you know, you've got to give them a got to give them an opportunity. So coming up with a friendly, Mitch, um, you know, obviously, you know, what, Eddie Howe going to use that, I guess, as a, an opportunity just to build up fitness, isn't he, next week? Yeah,
1: yeah. what's all about? You, you, you talked about the preseason that he wanted to, to create. Uh, we saw a bit of it in Riyadh where in that game for all took stuck five past Al-Hilal, two or three of the players did look ring rusty. And and to be fair to them, getting it out of their system in that game is far better than doing it on week one of the Premiership start the game. You know, um, Botman in particular for me looked a little bit... Uh, yeah, just ring rusty. I think that's the, the, the word I would pick. Um, so I think... It, we can't read too much into the friendly. The friendlies seem to be picked or the teams seem to be chosen for very specific reasons. Um, I, I think if, if you would look at the level of detail that they've gone into for picking some of these teams that they want to play, I think you'd be surprised. Um, and so, yeah, just get what eased in, get knocked the rust off and be ready to hit the ground running for the Carabao Cup.
0: Yeah, Stu, another friendly, uh, but this time on home turf and uh, sell-out crowd at Newcastle. Um, you know, getting an opportunity, I guess, for for some people who don't get a chance to see the game to get in and, um, you know, uh, get, you know, see the lads in black and white.
2: Yeah, I think there'll be massive changes during the game as well, because I think we'll make sure as many people get minutes as possible. There's ones that we've talked about from the World Cup that'll need to to get themselves blended back in, but there'll be players on the fringes that will need minutes in case they're called upon as well. So I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like, like changes during that friendly, but to me, it's, it's a good idea. And it seems to have done well at the start of the season when they did something similar, didn't they? They played two games in two days with two different teams. So for every botman that looked a bit rusty the other night, maybe I mean, it's wrong to say he was a bit disinterested, but uh, I, I touched about on Friday night, Halal had nine of their starting 11 missing. And I think once Newcastle stamped their authority on it, there was only going to be one winner. Uh, but for every Botman now, that, that's because he, said he stole too high. You know, he had a couple of passes that went astray. You know, the, the guys are a magnificent player. Uh, but Jacob Murphy impressed, impressed us, not just on Wednesday with his uh, jokes and his answers, but on the pitch, he, he was a real live wire uh, playing down the right. You know, you thought that was, that it played really well. Joe Lytton looked up for it during the time he was on the pitch. Um, Miggy come on and it's just the new Miggy. He was he was exceptional as usual. And I was impressed with Carrius to the point where I, I could see Dolo being one of those omitted from the squad come January. And Karius, we've all discussed that one game could have defined his career. That's that mishap he had against Real Madrid in the Champions League final. But you don't get picked to play the Champions League final. you're a very good goalkeeper, and I think more than anything else, he could be grateful of the opportunity to be. And that's a club of size in Newcastle have, uh, put, took a punt on him, and now he's going to grasp it with both hands. Not just the opportunity, but the football as well, which he did on uh, Thursday night. He, he was, I thought, he, he looked, he commanded his area well. He looked confident. Uh, he we was composed.
1: Well, didn't he, Stu? Yeah. And you wouldn't. wouldn't. Go on. I think also commanding in the area. Yeah. And if if you think
2: if Churchwood doesn't happen, but if Pope was out for a number of games, you wouldn't feel. I'd feel more confident with carries there than I would with Dolo. And maybe Dolo's just got stale. You know, he's been there a long time. And I think he's now realised he's never going to be number one. And he might be thinking, right, okay, I might have to drop down a division. To where I came from, you remember. Remember, he was in the championship when he signed for us. And great right, if I'm going to get playing every game, that's where I should go. Carrius at the moment has the the bounce about him, where he's yeah, he he wants it. He's he's grateful to be there, and it might be another season before he starts in Holland I should be playing number one. So if tough calls are to be made, then bring Carrius in and let Dolo go. Get some money from, put that into the coffers for Madison. I mean, the next signing.
0: A frozen slip there From uh, Stu To finish the show off Uh, Big thanks to Mitch Who is uh, still uh, Still suffering I think from last night's Exploit But you've done well Jeff Boycott (laughs) He's still going from last night Jeff Boycott (laughs) And uh, Brian Clough And uh, Ollie Reid Rolled into (laughs) one there Thanks Mitch Uh, And thanks to Stu Great stuff, lads. As always, the professionals being professional as always. Thanks very much, uh, viewers. We and everybody in the mods, and we will see you tomorrow night with the fans forum. Uh, it'll either be six o'clock or seven o'clock, but it'll definitely be live. Take care, lads.
2: Yes, James. Take it